sure you must be looking at Jason and I this morning, um, seeing us all dressed up and looking so fancy. Um, and you may be envious. Um, <laughs> you may yourself want a. Um, just get something in. Um, you may want a, a shirt like we wear. So, those of you who want a shirt like Jason's, you can go to Edgar's or Woolworths. It's very boring. You can easily get a, a, um, a black shirt. But if you want a shirt like mine, you need to go to Surface Corner. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get a lovely one, and they give you a free pair of sunglasses. <laughs> to go with it. <laughs> I wear these when I go down to Musenberg. This morning I want to be very focused in what I have to say. Um, and I want to speak to you this morning about the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to share with you just one verse from 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 which says, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. One of the best attested facts in all of history is that 2,000 years ago Jesus Christ died on a cross. No one can deny it. It is an historical fact. As Peter speaks about the death of Christ, he uses it as an example for God's people to follow. So for instance, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, for To this you have been called, because Christ Jesus also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. And he's actually doing the same in this verse. And he's calling upon God's people to be prepared to suffer for their faith, as Jesus suffered to do God's will. <coughs> if we're going to do God's will, we are going to face unjust suffering. But the death of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ is much more than just an example that we are to follow. There is something about the cross of Jesus Christ that is very simple and easy to understand. When you look at the cross and you see Jesus dying on that cross, and you're told that he died for you and for me, there is something that is very simple and easy to understand. And yet at the very same time that we look at that cross, which we find easy to understand, there is a great mystery in that cross that goes beyond all human understanding. It is something which we cannot understand with our finite minds. Because the mystery of the cross is that that cross can save us from our sins. You see, the easy part to understand is that it is a fact. It happened, and it cannot be denied. But the mystery of it is what Jesus achieves. The mystery of the cross is the power of the cross. And it's upon that power that I want us to focus this morning. Because you see, when Jesus died on the cross, literally thousands of other people also died on crosses. Crucifixion was a, was a common form of punishment by the Roman Empire. 
In actual fact, we know it as a fact that when Jesus died, there was a there were two people on either side of him, also on crosses. But what is it about the, the death of Jesus? What is it about his cross? What is it about him and what he did and his death that makes him unique? Well, this verse tells me three things about the mystery and the power of the cross. And the first thing that it tells me is that Christ suffered once for sins. Jesus Christ is on that cross because he is suffering for sins. Now it is quite interesting that this little phrase, that just really two words, for sins, is a word which if you take the Greek translation of the Old Testament, is used quite often and it always refers to the sin sacrifice or the sin offering that people offered up to God. And so that what we find happening here is that the death of Jesus was an atoning death. It was a sacrificial death. He was offering up himself. He was not there for the same reason that everybody else who had ever been put on a cross was put there. He was put there specifically to suffer. Because you have to ask yourself the question, why did he suffer? And Peter answers that question by telling us that he suffered for sins. Now, once you, you, you ask, you, once you say that, that Christ suffered for sins, what you are saying is that his death includes a moral and a spiritual dimension. Because to sin is to disobey God. To sin is to rebel against God. To sin is to be lawless and to disregard God completely. And we are told that Jesus suffered for sins. You see? And so that as we, as we consider this, as we look at Christ on the cross, that is the first thing that we notice about the mystery of his death. And when the, 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 the Bible here says Christ also suffered once for sins, his suffering always includes his death. Because the, the sufferings of Jesus were sufferings that were that included everything that he did, including his death. And it culminated in his death. But the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And that is why Jesus is dying. Jesus is dying because the wages of sin is death. So that's the first question. That's the first question answered. That's the first point about the death of Jesus. Jesus suffered once for sins. Now that's why Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross because of sin. But this raises the second question. Whose sin? Whose sin was Jesus suffering for? Of all people, of all people who have ever lived, Jesus should not have suffered for sins because he had no sins of his own. He was sinless. Peter has already told us, if you go back to chapter 2, he committed no sin. 
Neither was the seed found in his mouth. So the question still remains, for whose sins did he die? And Peter answers it, the righteous for the unrighteous. He's bearing the sins of the unrighteous. He is the righteous one. In actual fact, if you were to do a, a literal translation of that second part of uh, Peter's statement, the righteous for the unrighteous, it actually reads, the righteous one for the righteous, unrighteous people. The righteous one, singular, for the unrighteous people, plural. It is one man dying for many. But he is dying for the unrighteous. Now, I wonder if we were to gather around the, the, the church this morning and were to ask, what would you consider yourself to be? What would I consider myself to be? Would you put yourself in the righteous camp? Or would you say, I'm unrighteous? If you say that you are righteous, then Jesus himself said, I've not come for the righteous. Jesus never died for the righteous. For a simple reason. There are no righteous people. We just don't know it. He died for the unrighteous people. So if you are unrighteous here this morning, if you are the sinner this morning, it is for you and for myself that Christ came and died. And if his death firstly is an atonement that he died for sins, secondly, his death is a substitution. He is dying in the place of others. He's taking our place. You see? So we are told here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Here's someone who knew no sin and yet he becomes sinful in the eyes of God and he bears as a substitution as in the place of as instead of instead of you and I Christ dies he pays for the full penalty of sin he dies for sin because the wages of sin is death but we are also told that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Christ died for us. You know, there's an old hymn um, that we often sing. We used to often sing and we have sung it from time to time. It says this, Bearing shame and scoffing rude, In my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon, with his blood, hallelujah, what a saviour. Guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless lamb of God was he. Full atonement, can it be, hallelujah, what a saviour. And you see it is precisely because Christ has no sin of his own, that he can be our substitute. 
And so it is his very sinlessness that qualifies him to be the Lamb of God without blemish who takes away the sin of the world. So the first thing I say about the death of Christ is that it was an atonement. It was a payment. Christ paid the wages of sin, which is death. He died for sins. He died in my place, the righteous for the unrighteous. And the third thing about the death of Christ is that it is a reconciling death. We are told here that Christ died. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. <coughs> you see, this is where the power of the cross and the mystery of the cross becomes more and more evident, is that the very purpose of Christ's death was redemptive. It was to deliver us. It was to bring us near to God. It was to bring us into fellowship with God. You see, it is through what He has achieved that sinners are able now to call God their Father. Paul writing to the Ephesians, he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. What a terrible thing to be separated from Christ, to be separated from God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the, covenant of, to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Without God. Whereas this verse tells me that Christ died to bring me to God. And that's what he does. Those who were far off, those who were estranged, those who were alienated, those who were condemned, he brings us near follow him through the cross and we go right into the very presence of God itself. And so he goes on, he says, but now in Christ you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Incredible. Jesus pays the penalty Jesus takes my place and Jesus brings me to God by his blood, by his suffering, by his death. And Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he says, all this is from God. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And that in Christ, he was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. Not counting men's sins against them. Instead, he reconciles us to God. And God says, I do not count your sins against you. And then he goes on to say this. We therefore implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Have you been reconciled to God? Have you come and thank the Lord Jesus that He paid for your sins? For my 
my sins, that he took your place, that he took my place. You see, the message of the cross confronts us, it challenges us, but most of all, it changes us. It makes us children of God, that we can call ourselves children of God, and that we can call God Father. You see, the death of Jesus is more than just an example. It's a power that saves. And we are told there's one little phrase that is used here. It says this, Christ also suffered once for sins. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died one time for all time. He died once for all time. And when he uses the word that Christ died once, he's speaking about the comprehensiveness of that death. He died once, and in that one death, God, as it were, compressed all the sins of the world, and Christ faced it once. does he die for our sins comprehensively he also dies for them finally there's a finality it is forever so that no matter how dark and black our sins may be you may be here this morning and you might say to me God won't forgive me you don't know what I have done you don't know my thoughts you don't know my life I've been out there and I've lived the life of sin and I've rebelled against God, I've spurned God, I've turned away from God. That doesn't change it. It still remains that no matter how bad you may be, no matter how many sins you may have committed, Christ has dealt with them once for all, sufficiently and finally, to bring you and to bring me to God. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin. He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 says this, This is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And so this morning, I want to end by saying this. There are more than likely, and maybe there's more, so I'm only going to use this, there's more than likely three kinds of people in this church this morning. There may be someone here this morning, and you've never realized, and maybe for the first time you are hearing that Christ died for your sins. Maybe you've been part of church, maybe you've gone to weddings and funerals and you've even been to Sunday school and you, you were baptized and you were confirmed and you were vaccinated and you were everything else that happens to you. But somehow or other you've missed it. You, you, you haven't realized that Christ died for your sins and that it is that fact in history, that great mystery 
in his death, that by shedding his blood and by dying on the cross, God has made it possible for you and I to be brought near to him. And so, maybe you've either not heard it before, or maybe you've just not done anything about it. But this morning you are hearing it again. And I want to challenge you to do something about it. I want, to, I want to challenge you to think, not about the person next to you, but think about you and your life. And no matter what you've done, no matter how dark your past may be, I want you to know this morning that Jesus Christ died for every one of your sins and every one of my sins. He has paid for the penalty of, of my sins in full, and he has made it possible for me to enter into a relationship with God and to enjoy Him forever. But there may also be some of you here this morning. You do know about this. And you once committed, you once committed yourself to Christ. You once committed yourself to Christ, but you have backslidden. You have drifted away. You have drifted away from the only really important thing in all of life. And that's the death of Jesus for you on the cross. And you've stopped following Christ. And you're going to see this morning, although you may have backslidden, you're going to see young people who are going to confirm their faith. They're going to be standing up and saying, I am going to follow Christ for the rest of my life. And what I want to ask you to do, if you're a, back, a backslidden Christian, and you've lost sight of the cross and the death of Jesus, I want to invite you to return and to see it afresh. But I also want to say to you thirdly that there will be a group of people here who will never accept it. People have always turned their backs on the cross. You know, even when Jesus was on that cross, there were two criminals there. And the one criminal who hanged we are with him, we are told, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He mocked Christ. In actual fact, the word that is used there is he, he blasphemed. And so some people will look at the cross and say, so a lot of nonsense. But you know, there was another one there who rebuked him and said, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly for uh, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me. You know, it's never too late to get right with God. But you know, I always tell people, it's never too late. But there were always, there's always the reminder that there were two people in their dying moments. The one blasphemed Christ and the other received Christ. There's never a guarantee that we can leave it till our deathbed. We must decide today. 
And so I want to invite you, not just to listen to me, not just even to agree with me, but to say, I want to respond. And if you want to respond this morning, I've got some booklets here that I'm going to put out at the table where the tea is being served. Uh, they're written by Frank Retiff. This one is called Meet Your Manager. There's another one called The Way Ahead. There's another one called Two Ways to Live. There's even a booklet here if you would like to. It's called Good Out of Evil. It's reflections on the St. James Massacre. You're welcome to take one. They're free. It's first come, first served. I've only got these. But what I also want to invite you to do this morning is I want to invite you to pray and to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior this morning. <coughs> and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if you feel you want to pray this prayer, if you feel that you've understood what I've said, that Christ died once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God, you get to respond to that message this morning by saying, God, that is what I want. I want to be brought to God. I want to know God. I want to be brought back to God. And I want the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you bow with me and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. step. If you feel God has spoken to you, that you can take and you can make these words your own. I'm going to read them slowly so that it gives you time to pray it in your own mind. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my Savior and my ruler. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that your word would be deeply imprinted upon our hearts and that we will respond to your invitation to be drawn near to you to know you, whom to know is life eternal. And we come this morning to thank you afresh for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> Thank you.
friends in just a few moments for confirmation candidates will come up and um, they'll respond to a set of questions and answers that are based upon the Apostles' Creed. Um, and just before we do that, we're going to sing, and we're going to sing a version of the Apostles' Creed. The young children are going to come back in, so if you're looking for them or they're looking for you, you can just join back up together as families. But let me now invite you to stand and uh, sing together uh, what it is that we believe and what it is that we have come to believe and what it is that we're holding on to for our hope. So let's stand and sing together this I believe. 